Blog Talk Radio. Why, hello there. Welcome to Carl's Cavern. I'll be your server tonight. As you peruse our fine beer and cheese menu, you will be hearing the owner of this fine establishment, Mr. Carl Caper, as he gives you his wisdom and thought on whatever subject strikes him as important during the moment. So please, order your cheese and get ready for some enlightening conversation. Thank you very much for coming to Carl's Cavern. And always remember, cheese is the way of life. And here he is, coming up on the stage right now, the one, the only, our host, Carl Gabriel! <laughs> I love it! I love it! <laughs> now, for those of you listening, that was a surprise that Stephen... Uh, uh, Stephen Ronquillo, uh producer and, and, and wonderful friend and partner, uh, put up today for Carl's Cavern. And I want to thank you very, very much, Stephen, for all that you do. You're awesome. And say hello. Hello. Well, you needed an opening for it. Whenever I thought of Carl's Cavern, I thought of you just having uh, cheese and uh, beer garden. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that works. That works. So today we're going to be focusing on, on uh, of course, one of our great character actors passed away, and that would be Brian Dennehy. And we're going to be focusing specifically on on uh, the high points in his career and, and those movies that we absolutely love. We have a couple clips. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, you're welcome to call in if you have any uh Anything that you want to say? And what is the number, Stephen, for, for Collins? For guest, it's one six four six 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 eight two four three four. Yay! So hopefully some of you call in. Um, so we we might as well at least uh, before we get into the film stuff. Um, We've got to mention that Brian Dennehy, uh, in a lot of ways, was primarily a stage actor. Um, and he was one of the great p- proponents and great actors uh, of uh, Eugene O'Neill, Long Day's Journey into the Night. Uh, also, uh, Death of a Salesman, uh, Arthur Miller. Uh, and he won two Tonys. And for those that, that really got a chance to see him, and I was talking to a friend of mine, Tom Hartman, today, uh, but he was saying it was just amazing to see him on stage. The thing about Brian Dennehy is he's big. He's a big man, right? But he was one of the gentle giants. But if he had to use his physicality, and you'll hear in a couple of uh, things that we have, oh, he used it quite well. So, so Stephen, um, we wanted to start basically at the beginning of, of uh, his career, and certainly most of what he did at the beginning, just like any other beginning actor, he was doing a lot of guest spots. You know, yeah, he like was with, uh, uh, on Kojak, which is 
Got Telly Savalas in it, so hey, it's good. Let me get the TV menu up. Uh, he he was in Nash. Uh, he started out in Bumpers. Johnny, we hardly knew ye. It happened at Lakewood Banner. Oh yeah. crap! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. It happened at Lakewood Manor. Da, da, da. Yeah, it's the Suzanne Summer Killer Ant movie. Yay! What? Her aunt killed her? Or killer no, aunt? No, just killer ants. Period. Oh, okay. They did a crapload of them. Oh my God, the bugs is gonna get us. Movies in the seventies, and this was one oh, of. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, his next TV movie was, and sorry, Carl, this is going in my top five because I love it so much. Because of how hilarious. It's a rare, it's a movie called The Real American Hero, which was the second adaptation of another movie that was a big box office hit about a couple of years ago. Okay. It had uh, Joe Dom Baker in it. Ooh. Yes. Brian Dennehy, in one of his first real starring roles, plays Buford Pusser in a TV version of The Walking Doll Story. (laughs) Nice. Nice. But you know, at this time. He also played in Ruby and Oswald. Is George Paulson. Do we have to really say with those two names what the movie was about? Or do you think there's enough younglings I, out I there? I think they, they should figure that out. They should figure that out. Yeah. And Adas and Canaan, which is good. Now, yeah, you're 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 way ahead of me, though, at this point, right? You're in I'm the a, 80s. I'm just talking point. about the TV credits in the 70s before I get to the movies. Oh, okay. And good. God, this one is a good one that keeps getting forgot. You ever watch the movie Dummy from 1979? Nope. It has uh, LeVar Burton in it playing a deaf and dumb blind guy, a deaf and dumb guy who is framed for the murder of a woman. Oh, Dlang, American deaf man who is a who was uh, put to jail for murdering a prostitute because he's deaf and he was an easy target. Here's the cast, and tell them if you don't think this is badass. Helen Martin is Mrs. Harrod. Brian Dennehy is Rigotti. Paul Sabrino is Lowell Mayers. LeVar Burton is Donald Lang. Greg Henry is Assistant D.A. Smith. Nice. Yeah. And sadly, yeah, it's guess. hard to get those TV movies like that. But I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, and that's one that I would put on my you need to see this movie. Now, going back to 77, he had two movies where he played small roles. One was Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Which is yep became for some reason the most all of us film geeks, even the people who don't like the movie that much, like Carl, 
have debated years, why is this movie not on video or DVD? Yeah, I mean, she and was up for an Academy Award for this. Yeah. Diane Keaton. And the closest we can get is probably damn soundtrack cost too much. Probably. Yeah. And also in 77, he was in Semi-Tough, which is, according to certain people, I'm not naming their name, the Antichrist to the greatest and most glorious football film ever made. And, and, and you should name names because that would be me. It's a, this is Carl's Capper, for God's sake. I'm allowed to have yeah. my opinion. Uh, uh, so my top is not a bad movie, but it's, it, it is, doesn't even hold a candle to my favorite sports movie of all time, and that would be North Dallas 40. And they both came out the same year. And, of course, the, the uh, NFL... Backed semi top because it's much nicer to the NFL than North Dallas 40. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, again, we're talking about Brian Dennehy, and he has a nice little role in that. You yeah. know, and then the next movie he does is uh, it's the first time he ever worked with Sylvester Stallone, and we'll be talking about the second one for quite a bit. Yeah. But that yeah. would be Fist. Okay, and uh, well, basically, I uh, to sum it up. There were two movies made about <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa. Neither of them are good. No. Sylvester but I remember him in this movie, and I thought he was Hoffa. good. Yeah. You know, but 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 that's the one thing. A movie can be bad, and yet. A specific actor can, uh, you know, shine in his role. And, and that's what he did. Because it's the next movie which really started uh, getting him cemented as a good character actor. And it's actually a damn good movie. And that's foul play. And that's the... Yeah, the, the, oh, the yeah. I don't know why someone's still not known. I mean, this guy, Chevy Chase's most moderated controlled performance, and we talked about it last Thursday, it has a great comic performance by Goldie Hawn. Oh, absolutely. And who was it that played uh, Rocky's coat? Bergen Smeridus is in one of the best dirty old men in movies of all time. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Also has one of my favorite actresses, uh, and that's Rachel Roberts, and she's better known for for her uh, British output. She's also in one of my favorite films, Oh Lucky Man. Uh, but also the main bad guy in this yeah. is one of my favorite character actors, and that's Eugene Roche. Dudley Moore is in this. This is an odd movie that. Even on paper, this is a bad idea. In what year, 74, 73, did Butch Sundance and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid come out? That was actually, uh, uh, that was 69. That was late 69. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad movie, 
But I am saying that the original coasted on Paul Newman and uh, Robert Redford's chemistry together. But but I don't understand what this has to do with foul play. I'm talking about the one that come after it. No, I'm still talking about foul play. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I okay. love that this is one of the best attempts at a Hitchcockian movie there ever was. Yeah, and it's done, and it's done in, in in a very very comic way. Uh, it's it's a light film. Uh, she does really well. But listen to the rest of this cast because I wasn't even done. Yeah, Brian oh. Dennehy. Then you have Chuck McCann, Billy Barty, Don Kalpa. Oh, Pat Ast is in this movie for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's it, it's a fun little movie. Uh, it was written by and directed by Colin Higgins, and what what is Colin Higgins best known for? What? He was the writer of uh, Harold and Mott. Oh, cool! And it has one of my famous, uh, one of my favorite lines ever from a comedy. Is that a gun okay. in your pocket? Are you glad to see me? I'm glad to see you. Too bad I got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie, and Brian Dennehy shows his comic side in this, and and uh, it's good. It's really good. It's a fun movie. But still, did you say that '68 was when Butch cast '69? Yeah, 1969. That's a goddamn. Why would you wait a goddamn decade to do a sequel? Well, sometimes they do. I I don't get it either. I mean, but, really? But actually, go the, ahead. The early days is is not a bad movie, but it's sort of inconsequential, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the '69 one coasted on the charisma of uh, Paul Newman and. Robert Redford and William mm-hmm. Cat and Tom Berenger ain't no Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Oh hell no! And we do like hell them no. in the right roles. Yeah, but again, again, you take a look at what what uh, Brian does with his role. He plays O.C. Hanks, and he he's a little scary in this movie. He uses his his uh, physique. You know, to yeah, he's he's a bit scary in this. It's a good it's a good little film, but it's rather inconsequential. It doesn't really add too much to to the story. And this is not the best Western Brian Dennehy's was in. No, not not by a long shot. We'll be talking about that one for for a while, I'm sure, when we get to it. Yeah. Uh, so the so the next movie. That he was in is not a favorite film of mine. In fact, it, it, I think it's rather uh, Hated? overrated. Yet his job, Brian's uh, role as Donald the bartender, is oh, a wonderful role. And 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 when he passed away. I forget who said it, but one of the people, maybe it was Stacy Keach, said that that um, 
his uh, his role as Donald was what he was like in real life. That he was just a pussycat and just a lovely man. And Donald, by far, is the best person in in, in this uh, uh, the nicest person in this this movie. And of course, we're talking about Ten, which is the yeah. Dudley Moore movie. Dudley says something to term is that the Dudley Moore at near the end he said. Well, if you act like a son of a bitch, don't be surprised that people treat you like a son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. There's only two things that people liked about that movie back then, and that was uh, Bo Derek's tits. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't find her attractive. I didn't. I, I it just didn't do it for me. Well, I was a hormonal teenage during the biggest years, and I didn't even find her attractive. No. But she did make me laugh no. once in Bolero when she pointed at the guy's penis and says, I'm going to make that thing work. <laughs> True. It's, <laughs> it's just so stupid, that brilliant. And then he did a remake of Little Miss Marker, which is best forgotten about. Yeah, why do you even mention it? We don't even have to mention it. Yeah. And now we're going to get into one that no one really talks about, but it's fucking great. And that's the first film he ever did with James Wood, which we'll be wanking on a film with those two later. And that split image... It's one of the most mean, one of the meaner, brutal, or culty programming movies out there. Imagine how oh, fucked yeah. up it have to be if James Woods is a guy deprogramming you from a cult. <laughs> oh, Carl has dropped. Hopefully he'll come back soon. I don't know what happened. I think a boo-boo happened to him. But, yeah, what happens is this guy, this boy gets kidnapped by the cult, and his uh, father, there he is, hires James Wood to kidnap his his, uh, son back and brainwash him. And it's just a mean, brutal little film. It's a damn good one, too. Oh, and God, and yeah. one of the things that that we for, that that isn't mentioned, and, and those of you that have listened to the Cavern for a while, know that one of my favorite directors from the seventies, uh, unheralded, is Ted Kotcheff, and Ted uh, directed this film, and and this is a forgotten film by him, and it's a really good one. It you really gotta be is. kidding me! Did he? Didn't he uh, direct the other film that they were in together? Yeah, exactly. That, that's one of the reasons. No, he directed this next film that's coming up. Yeah. And what was it that uh, Scott, that Brett Butler said at the end of uh, Gone with the Wind, Carl? I don't know what. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. You don't. And speaking well, of... Well, that's... that's, that's... That's not, uh, uh, that's, um, Rhett Butler says that. Yeah, Rhett Butler says that. And we not only give a damn, we have a damn. 
Say hello. Hello. Adam. <laughs> it's an Adam. <laughs> there he is. Yeah, just took me, it took me a minute. I've been trying to get in. Technical issues. So, how, how goes it, guys? All goes right. well. We were goes well. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Appreciate it, man. Glad I could make it in. So, we're at Split Image. Do you know the movie yeah. at all? James, um, James Woods and, and Brian Dennehy. This is the one right before First Blood. I was, I was going to say... I I don't think so. It's not the sci-fi film, is it? No. No, 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 no. This is the one where James Wood plays a cult deprogrammer who kidnaps this man's son and deprograms him for him. Okay, yep, now I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. James Woods is the guy who's going to kidnap and deprogram you from being in a cult. (laughs) How scary is that? Yeah. Well, that's that's almost as scary as Christopher Walken giving you a gold watch. <laughs> hey, that was bought in the town that's forty minutes from me. That watch, so hush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but somebody then, died of dysentery with that watch stuck up their ass. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> and next. Uh, well, the short story I got for this one, getting with Carl, I know a lot of people that seen Rambo, First Blood Part Two, and they're like, yes, I love this movie. Is there any more? Uh, this is a sequel. And then they sat down with this, and they're like, this ain't no First Blood Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie, this movie is so... Different than the sequels, the Rambo sequels. Uh, it's a lot darker. And and as far as Brian Dennehy, this was the role that really, really uh, uh, shot him over the top as far as a character actor. Now I'm I'm not <coughs> completely sold on this film. I think uh, Stallone mumbles too much. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that, but man, let me tell you something. Denny, he, he's friggin' awesome. And don't okay, we have, have a, 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 yeah. a, 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 a clip to have yeah. people listen to? And I want you in the audience, and you, Adam, and you, Carl, to listen to this in the point of view that Brian Dennehy is a pissed-off Korean War veteran who is mad that he was forgotten while guys like Rambo, who came over from Vietnam, which is just as nasty as the Korean War was, was considered heroes and talked about on TV. And no one gave him a damn bit of sympathy when he came back home. Listen to this from that point of view. And here we go. Morning. You, uh, you visiting somebody around here? 
You know, wearing that flag on that jacket, looking the way you do. You're asking for trouble around here, friend. Headed north or south? North. Now jump in. I'll make sure you're heading the right direction, huh? Portland is south. You said you were headed north. You got some place I can eat around here? There's a diner about 30 miles up the highway. Is there any law against me getting something here? Yeah, me. Why are you pushing me? What did you say? So why are you pushing me? I haven't done anything to you. First of all, you don't ask the questions around here. I do. You understand? Secondly, we don't want guys like you in this town. Drifters. First thing you know, we got a whole bunch of guys like you in this town. That's why. Besides, you wouldn't like it here. This is a quiet little town. In fact, you might say it's boring. But that's the way we like it. And I get paid to keep it that way. Boring. Okay, but doesn't that seem play different, knowing that that's how it was intended in the book, that, uh, the sheriff was pissed off at Rambo because he was a Vietnam War vet who got more attention than he did when he came back from just a fuck, another fucked up war. Well, you know, I mean, they do bring that out to a certain degree as the movie goes along, too, about uh, Dennehy's background and why he's so pissed off. At that point, yeah. you don't know. Okay, that's near the beginning of the film. But, yeah. What do you say, Adam? I'm with Carl on that. I, I, th- I think you know it's 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 definitely there. Um, but uh, actually, it's something that I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to say I wish that something they wouldn't have fucked with as much from the book. That it just left it as it was. Yeah. Oh, oh we ain't fighting you on that. And you know, I, well, I'm somebody you know, I, who I, I, I enjoy did. the Rambo I've movies, but um. Oh. They, they they did um, always seem to come up with something that could have been really good and then find some some way to remove the depth. Yeah. I mean, certainly that's true of a lot of films. Death Wish is another one where, where they gutted it, really. But I didn't know... I've never read the novel that First Blood is, and I take it you have, Adam. Uh, why don't you tell us a, well, a, a little a, bit it's of the been differences? A long time, it's been a long time. Seriously, when I read the book, I was about 12 years old. Okay. So and I just remember now, right? reading the book and, <laughs> and then seeing the film a second time and going, huh, this is different. Oh, yeah. And, oh, uh, well, the big difference is, is that 
unlike the movie, it devolves into a one-on-one war between the sheriff's character and Rambo's character. And uh, Rambo ends up uh, blowing the sheriff's head off at the end of the movie. Yep. Yeah. And then Troutman sneaks up behind Rambo and blows his head off. And as he's dying, he's like, I deserve the parades this... Well, yeah, he uses the word motherfucker guy. I deserved all that. Not him. Yep. So, that... Now, once you saw this movie, guys, uh, and, and, of course, it was a Stallone film, Right, and that, that's how they pushed it. But when you first saw this movie, was it Stallone that you talked about, or was it was it Dennehy, or was it Crown that stood out in the for you? Well, for me as a kid, I always saw it as you know the big mean guy um, picking on the uh, the vet. Um, yeah. So I wasn't even thinking about Crenna. I was thinking about Dennehy and Stallone. But, um, you know, people mention that that role, and then they say, yeah, that role that he played in Rambo. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was in Rambo. He's so good in it that you forget it, that, yeah, it was in a Rambo movie. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, that that's the thing. Without Dennehy... It's a Rambo movie, but with Dennehy, it's First Blood. Yeah, well, when I watched it as a kid, I seen like he did. Rambo is the big badass. And then when I got to be adult, I'm like, Jesus Christ, why are they screwing with this psychotic? Yep. Yeah. Leave the man with PTSD alone. Seriously. <laughs> Just leave it alone. Don't bother him. And yep. the next is, I don't know how the hell this one got out to mainstream theaters as arty as it was. And that's Never Cry Wolf. I love this movie, but even as a 13-year-old, I'm like, this is more of an art film than the... Adventure film they sold it as. Well, you know what? What's what's even weirder? It's a Disney movie. Uh-huh. It's a Disney but movie. They don't even it exists nowadays. No, which is a shame because it's a really fine film. Oh yeah. I mean, well, been, and don't, well, don't forget it was directed by Carol Ballard, who also did Black Stallion and Fly Away Home. Right. And, and a very good director. Uh, mm-hmm. Wasn't this and the also, I, I like the award film for uh, taking black one, Hold on, off. hold on, guys, hold on. Was one of the few films that Charlie Charles Martin Smith was was the lead in. He didn't get many leads, but this was one, and he was very good in this. And of course, he goes head to head with Dennehy throughout the whole film. Yep. Well, do you remember who uh, one of the writers, who, who was uh, the uh, first credited uh, screenwriter on uh, Never Cry Wolf? Well, it was uh, well, well. Let me put it this way: 
uh, uh, it was uh, Curtis Hansen, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. It was Curtis well, Hansen. A lot of, well, a lot of his quirkiness makes sense now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Now, you know, now, now for me, um, you know, I can't remember if I saw First Blood first um, when I was like three or four or if I actually saw Cocoon first when I was four or five. Um, I'm assuming it was probably yeah, actually Rambo because my parents were, weren't were uh, really careful with uh, what I saw when I was little. But um, growing up, whenever um, I saw Brian Dennehy's face in anything, I was like, oh, yeah, the alien from Cocoon. Yeah. yeah. And this is one of those Cold War movies that if you just watch the movie, you will think it sucks. But then I tell you to read the book, which is a lot deeper. All right, Carl? Yeah, unfortunately, they gutted Gorky Park. Yeah, they gutted uh, for, the for Gorky film. Park. Well, the only, and, and, and it's a damn shame because... Um, if you read the uh, screenplay that Dennis Potter wrote, that's a hell of a screenplay, and he even won him the Edgar Award because uh, they didn't give him the award for the um, screenplay that you saw. It was for the screenplay that you didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dennis <laughs> Potter is, is possibly the greatest um, writer to ever hit the uh, medium of television. Yeah, and that's what the scene. That did a Twin Peaks retrospective about three days ago. Yep. What about that? Yep. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I wish to God that someone would get off their butt and release uh, a Dennis Potter set over here, so we could finally get to see over here. Uh, pennies from heaven with Bob Hoskins without having to import it or download it or any other sign of illegal ways to get it in the U.S. Well, it's not illegal to import it, but um, it is uh, expensive depending on which edition you want. Um, There was a nice Dennis Potter collection that actually was um, Region 1, but I don't know exactly what it had. I think it might have just been Pennies from Heaven and um the singing detective. But it but it but they but it had some uh, technical issues and they took it out of circulation. Okay, I wanna ask okay, Adam well, before we move on and Carl too. What do you guys think was the worst Dennis Potter adaption movie wise that the US did? Uh Brimstone and Treacle, uh, Pennies from Heaven, or The Singing Detective? Singing Detective. Yeah, agreed. Oh? <laughs> agreed. Yeah. Singing Detective. That one, I, that one had nothing to do with the play. And may Brimstone I just and say, was at least before fun. we move, yeah. okay, before we move on, may I just say that Brimstone and Treacle, you need to track that down. The one with Sting. It was directed by Richard Long Crane. Uh, now, that's not the BBC version. That's the movie that was imported to the U.S., but it is goddamn good. And Dan Holmoyan is just fantastic in it. Well, it's, so anyway. well the MGM yeah. DVD's out of print, but it's not expensive. You can get it for maybe 10 to 12 bucks. Yep. 
Yeah, but moving on with uh, Dennehy. Yeah, we're on the Finders Keepers, which... Nah, we're, we're gonna, I don't we can skip it. that. We can skip the River Rat. We might as well go right to Cocoon, and we'll we'll uh, spend some time here in the next three or four films. Yeah, I like Cocoon. I just it, wish they would have kept the more unsentimental ending that uh, was originally wrote for it. But it was Spielberg. You expect him to be unsentimental? Give me a fucking break. No, it wasn't Spielberg. It was Ron Howard. It was Ron Howard. Well, okay, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Okay, never mind. Sorry about that. No, it, it, it's okay. But again, I really liked Dennehy as as the head of the aliens. He has the you know, twinkle in his eye, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and he could be. As I, I said at the beginning of the show, he, he, you know, he's imposing his size and everything, and yet well, you know, never the thing is, he was feel... a big guy, but he, but it wasn't just the size; he exuded this authority in any situation, he, like any character he he played was in. Right. But but you know what I was going to say is that he could be physically imposing, and that could be scary. But yet he does a role like this, and he's just a, such a gentle giant. And you just he's such a nice guy. He's a good alien. And, and how can and, he and, tell and, and, that Cocoon was an '80s movie, Carl? Uh, I don't know. How can you tell it was an '80s movie? Steve Gutenberg stars in it. <laughs> Well, it's better than any of those damn police academy movies. Uh, you have and a point. You have sex with an alien. Yep. Ellie yep. Sheedy, wasn't it? Shawnee Smith. Uh, what's her name? Smith. Who's Myra Breckenridge's daughter? Oh, the star of Myra Breckenridge. Raquel Welch? Yeah. What, her daughter? I'm, I, I'm not Tony kidding. Tony Welch. Yeah, oh, Tony Welch. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was in okay. Cocoon. Sorry. Oh, okay. But we got to move on here. And I'm going to let you guys go after this one. Uh, Silverado. Talked about how scary Brian Dennehy could be. Yep. Well, in the same year he came out as, in Cocoon, he was Sheriff Cobb in Silverado. Which, honestly, if you watch it, he does—he's a evil man who doesn't play himself or believe himself to be an evil man. Yeah. What do you think of Silverado, Adam? It's a good film. And but look at that! Look at that cast. What? I mean, look at that cast. It's 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 not just Dennehy. It's Kevin Kline, Scott Glenn, Roseanne Arquette, John Cleese, Kevin Costner, Danny Glover, Jeff Goldblum, Linda Hunt. Yeah, that's an amazing yeah, cast. Mort's cast, yeah. and and the thing about Dennehy. You know, he he is an evil character here, but he doesn't exactly play it that way. 
and 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 so he he gets all these complexities in the character. So you don't know how to feel about him in a, a lot of the way through the film, uh, and and that makes his portrayal so much more interesting. And I think it really adds to the movie a lot. Yeah, yeah I like how it was an American Western, but they added the Italian complexity to it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just as an aside, I have to say, speaking of Italian complexity, that reminds me, the other day I couldn't get anything to work on my fire stick except for Netflix. And then on Netflix... The only thing I could get to work was the good and the bad and the ugly. And I was like, well, I guess this isn't too bad being forced into this. I mean, there's worse movies to get forced to watch if you are desperate for something to watch. My favorite character in the good, the bad, the ugly is that dying, dying colonel. The one who's at the bridge and whose dream is is to have that damn bridge blown up. Now, now, give me Tuco. I love Tuco. Yeah, I want to know with Carl. Give I me love t- that scene with him and Tuco where Tuco takes a giant drink out of the bottle of booze and he's like, there's officer material for you, boys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. seriously, talk about talk about your... Um, your, uh, your 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 classics now. Actually, could you have imagined uh, Brian Dennehy in a Sergio Leone film? Oh, oh yeah. God, that would be beautiful. Could you have imagined that him be... in, in say Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? Oh yeah, yeah. Without a doubt, and I would have thought of him as a, as say playing. Um, I could see him playing a very imposing uh, Angel Eyes. Oh, yeah. Or Angel Eyes' sidekick. Nah, I don't see Angel Eyes as somebody that would have a sidekick, but that's just Yeah, me. the big giant guy that beat up Tuco and the other guy, so he wouldn't have to. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say he's a sidekick. Yeah, that's what I mean. I could just see that interplay between him and Tuco. If I get you down, you're not getting up. And then he just give him that grin of his. Mm. Yep. So moving on. Um, so so we're like talking about that. Silverado. I I want to move on to another film, and I think it's one of the most forgotten films of the eighties. And they actually even had a sequel and the TV series of it. Sequel was good too. Sequel was very good too, but. I love this movie, and nobody talks about it. And and Adam, do you know the movie FX? Yep, FX, and then FX, the Deadly Art of Illusion. Um, I'm going to admit something here. I've seen them. I remember next to nothing about them other than I enjoyed them because I saw them again when I was really young, and I have nothing but impressions of them. Okay. Well, well that's good. good. That's fine. And you know, there's actually uh, something that that, that that in the lead up to this, um, I didn't get a chance to go back and uh, review as much as I wanted. But um, if I can track them down, they're films that I've been thinking about tracking down. Believe it or not, because I remember them being a lot of fun. Set to have both of them in, and I own it. 
Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm going to have to stream it because I'm not going to get any money. No. Well, you know, the whole setup of the movie is that that uh, uh, Brian Dennehy plays this lieutenant, uh, Leo McCarthy. He gets hooked up with this FX special effects person by the name of Brian Brown. And there's this uh, Raleigh, uh, murder. Brian. What? Raleigh, played by Brian Brown. Right, exactly. And... Um, and just uh, they, so they have to, uh, they they work together to solve the mystery and find the murderer and find the missing money, and it's a hoot. It's so good, and it's one of the best caper. I don't know if you'd call it a caper movie. I guess not. Yeah, the last, the but, second one's definitely a caper, but the last third of FX is a caper too because they're trying to get to the guy. Who had framed Raleigh for the killing? Right, exactly. It's 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 a beautiful, beautiful film. It it works like clockwork, like a uh, Rube Goldberg machine, where just everything just clicks, and and it's really well done. And I, if if there's a forgotten film and one film that you need to check out. Uh, I uh, absolutely. I would say you need to check out this movie uh, FX, and the sequel is also very good. So both. Well, you know, um, Robert Ma- Mandel was the guy behind that film, and Robert Mandel um, did another movie that I liked um, called School Ties, and that film, film of course, is the film that launched the careers of Brendan Fraser, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Cole Hauser, and Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. yeah. And by by the way, uh, I also have to mention about FX that uh, <laughs> there are two other actors in here. Uh, uh, Mason Adams, uh, who is best known for his work on uh, uh, Lou Grant, the TV mm-hmm. series, but Jerry Orbach, is in this, and he's fucking great. And guess who else is in this? Who? Roscoe! Come on, Roscoe Warman. Oh. Gordon! From Sesame yeah. Street. Thank you. Oh, Thank Gordon. you. <laughs> you just said Willie Dynamite. Yep. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's a good little film. I I would recommend it highly. Let's see. After FX, we get Legal Eagles, which was almost a good movie, but the studio wussied out and didn't give it the downbeat ending, which was released with the VHS that made it freaking decent. Yeah. Yeah, it's too light for me, Legal Eagles. I don't really remember too much about it, other than I didn't, you know, it was okay. That was my my reaction to that. Yeah. And what do you get when you get a company that hired these name actors at a time? They hired John Flynn, who was a moneymaker at the box office. And then they hired Brian Dennehy, and then they hired James Wood. But then... After they had spent all of their advertising money on Dirty Dancing and lost their asses, even though Dirty Dancing 
was a big, gigantic hit. The money come in too late to save them. That is the death of Estron Pictures and why Carl got to see this movie in one week only and why no one talks about it today because they're, they're stupid. <laughs> Tell them what you really think, Stephen. Tell them what you really, really think about when this movie. I say movie. stupid, I think it's the studio or any of the companies for not giving this a good freaking release. This is one of the great films of of, of the late 80s, um, and it is forgotten to a certain degree. Uh, and it has some of the best interplay between James Woods, who's at the top of his game in this movie, and Brian Dennehy, who's just phenomenal. And, and Adam, do you know what movie we're talking about? Are you talking about Seven Minutes? No, no we're talking about Best Seller. You ever see Bestseller? Bestseller? No, 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 no. No, I didn't. That's very hard to see okay. film, Carl. Okay, so, so Stephen, you have a nice little clip. And what I'm going to tell you yeah. is, okay, the setup here is that Brian Dennehy is cop. Okay? He's working with, with James Wood, who is an uh, assassin for, for a corporation or was an assassin and trying to, to uh, get back at the person behind all this. The person behind all this brings his lawyer to the, to, to the precinct to tell Brian Dennehy to stop publication of the book he's writing. Okay? And that's mm-hmm. where we're going to go. Okay, okay? So at the end of this clip, Adam, I want you to tell me whether or not you have to see this movie. Check this out. Fuck you. And fuck your hairy friend. Hold it. What? I said, hold it. Jesus, who do you think you're, Al Pacino? Huh? Huh? Don't break my fucking hand! Break your fucking hand. You're threatening a police officer on the second floor of the Southeast Division, scumbag. I'll kick your fucking goon ass all the way from here to Pasadena and back. You'll be picking that new rug of yours out of the freeway, you fucking asshole. Now spread it! What's this? What's this? I hope you don't have a permit for this. This man is a licensed private investigator. He has a permit to carry a handgun anywhere in the state of California. The only threat that's been made in this room has been made by you. Huh? <laughs> yep, I'm going to see if I can find that tonight. <laughs> there is a scene, Adam, where Dennehy takes, finds out where, where Woods grew up and takes him to his parents' house. Right? To Woods' parents' house. And his parents come in. And so it's at night. And Woods goes to Dennehy in the middle of the night and threatens him. And it is one of the most brilliant pieces of dialogue I've ever heard. And guess who wrote the script to this? Mm. Would you believe Larry Cohen? 
actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Larry Cohen. Uh, this yeah. is a hell of a movie. It is just a magnificent film. And, well, did you um, ever see um, Phone Booth that Larry Cohen did? Oh, oh yeah. God, yeah. You know, I know people like to knock that movie, but I actually thought that Phone Booth was a cool film. Well, you know what? The whole idea is, you know when that was written? It was written in the 60s. He wanted uh, Hitchcock to do it, and they were talking about it, but never came to fruition. And years and years later, they pulled the script out, uh, and um, what's his name for Batman and Robin? Um, Yeah. um, He pulled it off, and he did actually a pretty good job with that film. You know, I'm going to say this. Um, Joel Schumacher gets a reputation for being called Joel Shitmaker. But, you know, not every film Joel Schumacher did was bad because Lost Boys isn't a bad movie. Um, Phone Booth wasn't a bad movie. And I honestly don't think that 8mm was a bad movie. Actually, 8mm I like better than than the Lost Boys by a fucking heart. You know, oh yeah! You know, if, 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 if if you put a gun to my head and said, "What's your favorite Schumacher movie?" I'm going to say Eight Millimeter. Um, I saw that the, the day it was released, and um, it blew me away. I was I was just expecting this nice, tight little thriller. I wasn't expecting something uh, with that much to say. Because mm-hmm. that's a hell of a trip. Oh, I'll God, tell you, yeah. another movie he did I liked uh, uh, that, that isn't talked about is The Number 23. Mm-hmm. Because it sucks, Carl. You're the only one that likes it. No insult to you. <laughs> well, you know what? I, 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 I like the bastard stepchildren. What can I tell you? Yeah. I do. No, his bastard stepchildren is the Lost Boys. It's everything bad about the 80s. Wrapped up in a stinky little bag. <laughs> <laughs> and then set on okay, fire and throw and I know, and I know we want to talk about Joel Sh- Schumacher or Shitmaker or whatever his name is. No, we have more I love than- 8mm. It has one of the best scenes ever of why a killer does stuff. When a machine has uh, Cage's character down, you know why I did it? I like doing things like that. I enjoyed it. It gets me off. That's why I did it. My well, you know, the thing is, he puts, he, puts, he, puts those, he puts those spectacles on, and he says, were you expecting a monster? Were you expecting something else? Yeah. And, and he just very, he, he's actually much more calm when he explain, explains it. And, you know, and, and it happens out in the rain, and the guy's mother's coming in the, the front door. Um Back from her church group, and it's just a—it's just a great scene. Yeah, I mean, he's just like well, my, I wasn't okay, guys, by I, a priest. My mommy didn't beat me. I wasn't—I had a great childhood. I just like doing things like that. And yeah, but let's me, get back to uh, to the topic. <laughs> yeah, please, please, because well, next is the man even, even, too, okay, Stephen, Stephen, you you what? you skipped one. You skipped a movie. Oh, no, we're going to be doing talking about this next Thursday in very much detail. Preview. Next Thursday, we're going to be doing this and as a tribute to uh, Brian, Brian Denny. We are going to be doing a live watch of Peter Greenway's The Belly of an Architect. Ooh. Yes. 
which is on Criterion Channel. If if you have Criterion, you can join us, Adam, if you want. Yeah, I'm I um I'm gonna have to see what my schedule's like. You know, I may have people to see and things to do, and no, I'm kidding, of course, nobody does anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all locked in. To me, yeah, we're locked in. My short story. This is the least talked about of all of Greenway's films from this period. You always hear a lot about his head and two knots, the wife, the cook, the thief, and his lover. Uh, Why not? Murder by Numbers, The Fall. But rarely do you hear people talk about this one or even just bring it up. And yet, Brian Dennehy has said uh, in interviews and that this was the movie where where he really felt that he could act and that, that you know, what he did on stage could be transferred into a film. And, of course, let's not forget that Greenway was a theater director also uh, and, and a very experimental one. Uh, and, and basically it's about an architect that goes to Vienna, or Venice, excuse me, uh, and um, he has stomach cancer, and it affects him. And that's why they call it the belly of an architect. Okay, but yeah, we definitely are going to do that. And belly is ego too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. And this is weird. It says he's in Cocoon Return as the same role, but he's uncredited. Does that mean he's not in it that darn long? No, he's not. He shows up at the end and kind of smiles and nods, and that's about it, as I recall. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a very, it's now, a very, very short role. Yeah. In a movie that I actually don't mind. I know some people hate Cocoon: The Return, but I actually had fun with it. It's nowhere near the film the first one was, um, and the first one was just a trifle. But um, it's um, it's still it's still worth seeing if you like the first one. And now moving on to his ABC TV stuff, uh, A Rumor of War. Let me see. I think this is. I think I've seen this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on the autobiography by Philip Caputo about his service in the United States Marine Corps in the early years of American involvement. This has Brad Davis, Keith Carradine, Michael O'Keefe, Brian Dennehy, and Stacy Keach. How can you go wrong with a acting lineup like that? Oh, you can't. Especially not you on can't. TV in, the, in that era. Next is one of his best uh, roles that I wish was out on there. And it goes with the, uh, the, the Jewish film he talked about, Net Skokie. Oh, this is really, really good. Danny Kaye is excellent in this. What it's about, it was about Skokie, Illinois, in about 78, 79. I forget when in the 70s this happened. But the neo-Nazis slash Ku Klux Klan decided to do a pro-white protest in Skokie, Illinois. And Danny Kaye plays uh, a Jewish man who leads an effort against it. Carl Reiner's in this too. Don't forget Carl Reiner's in this. Eli Wallach, 
uh, Ed Flanders is in this. Lee Strasberg. You know, heavy, heavy cast. Well, we got Mr. TV with us, Adam. How good was the level of made-for-TV movies on on regular TV in the 70s and 80s? You know, um, it was actually fairly high, especially um, over in the U.K., but when it when but for me for me you had a lot more great mini series coming out than great movies but oh, that's yeah. not show but that's not to say movies. that the movies weren't often better than the mini series when they were great um let's not forget that um this is the same period that uh gave us the executioner's song and um you know but it also gave us Roots and um, War and Remembrance, Winds of War, which I know people can call that a soap opera, and in a way it is, but when you look at the war side of it, that is just an extraordinary piece of work. So, no, television well, was, uh, has always had great movies. Out, and me and Carl can attest, when they did get into the darker war side in the second part of War and Peace, War and Remembrance, People didn't like that very much back then, did they, Carl? No, you had some kickback where, 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 you know, I mean, by that time you were, what, 10 years after the, the, uh, the end of the Vietnam War, but it was still pretty raw, you know, people's reactions to anti-war stuff, yeah. Yeah, and, and and you know the thing is, is um, the the story I like to tell is the and it's and you can find it on the um, the DVD um, extras on and I forget if it's on the uh, War Remembrance set or if it's on the um, or one of the sets because they released it in a two part set which is almost impossible to find now and or it's on the Winds of War set but the first series was a smashing smashing critical and audience success for ABC made everybody rich well the thing is is ABC went to Herman Wook and said we want you to do another another one we want we want the the, the rights to more remembrance and he said well I'm only going to do it if Dan Curtis does it now Dan Curtis was fucking exhausted he was dead on his feet for a while after doing Winds of War. It, it knocked him dead. Um, but eventually his wife said, you know, you're waking up every other week and talking about it. You really want to do it, go do it. And the thing is, is he talked to Woke and he talked to ABC, and ABC said, well, it's a pretty graphic book. You're going to have to get rid of this, and you're going to have to get rid of that. You know, it, it, it's too raw, it's too recent standards and practices, and he said, well, if you're not willing to work with us, maybe NBC or CBS will be willing to work with us. And they were like, no, 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 because they didn't want to get rid of the cash cow. And that's why Warren Remembrance doesn't flinch at all. It shows all the nudity, the sexual violence, the graphic violence, it even has some language in it. That's why it's so unlike anything else on television in terms of its visual depictions at the time, because 
ABC was so desperate to keep this cash cow that they let Woke and um, Curtis have near carte blanche. And uh, I think it really paid off, especially in the uh, historical side of the, the film, the, the Holocaust and the, uh, the depictions of the battles. Um, forget the uh, Henry family stuff, but the rest of it was just incredible. And, um, you know, this all leads in for me to uh, Dennehy's uh, role in Day One about the atomic bomb, which is one of the all-time great TV movies. Okay, so yeah. so I want to get moving well, we here, skip guys. Over pretty much so, up to date so, Let's go to that because it was offside, pig, Buckers freak, blood feud, lion of Africa, a father's revenge. We can get to day one. There was a plethora of these around this area. There was a thread, a testament. Yeah. Uh, day after too. Let's not forget day yeah, after. Yeah. You wouldn't believe how scared we so were at that time, uh, Adam. You weren't there for it. We were like paranoid and stuff. In there, because you probably know this, but the second half of the day after. They could ABC couldn't sell an ad to sell they save their lives. <laughs> well what product do you think would want to be part of uh that? Yeah. Nuclear destruction of the earth. Uh not many products. No. In day one Maybe Bowen. It's about the Manhattan Project excels. Yep. Yeah, I I never saw day one, so I don't know anything about it. I, that's one I've got uh, circled to, to to try to locate and find out. It's a lot better than uh, Fat Man and Little Boy. Yeah, it, it's a yeah. lot better than Fat Man and Little Boy. Um, but uh, you know, um. I also like the um, the one the other one that he did um, a little bit later, uh, Murder in the Heartland, about the Starkweather killings. Yeah, but next we're going to Killing in a Small Town, where it may be the biggest son of a evil son of a bitch he's ever played in a movie. Oh, this absolutely! Son, this real guy who was so evil and such a horrible bully in his small town that he was shot dead in the chest Main Street, middle of the day and no one saw crap (laughs) yep Yeah, sounds sounds like the uh, ending that guy deserved. Yeah. But, let's see. Well, FX two, and then and then when he gets when he gets into the um, uh, this is a little later, but when he gets into the Jack Reed movies too, I really liked him as Jack Reed. Oh God, and I he saw did a what? couple of those. 
what was it like three or what was it like maybe five of those things? It was six or seven of them. Was it that many? Because I because I remember at least five or six of them. Yeah, looking at it, it was um, there's there's uh, Jack Reed, Badge of Honor, then Search for Justice, One of Her Own, Killer Among Us, Death and Vengeance, and um, there may have been a couple later, but those were those. Yeah, so definitely. Um, and the thing is, he he directed many of those. That was that was his thing. And and, yeah, and if you want. If you want to to see a good hard-boiled detective, these are these are solid solid films. Yeah, well, solid. I, I know that the first one was directed by uh, Kevin Connor. Yeah. yeah. Okay, a lot of these movies that he's doing in the nineties were movies so he could go back to his play company and put on plays. Oh, absolutely, yep. or be on uh, Broadway. Uh, in 95, he wins, um, I think, no, actually, I think it's 97, he wins the Tony Award, and then in 2004, he won another Tony Award. Yeah. You know, but he would always go back that. to Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, during the summers, when he could, uh, and uh, put on plays there. So he was always busy. So you didn't see him much in films that much. You saw him a lot on TV. But then, well, we can't leave this one out because everybody loves it. And I'm not one of them, but we got to talk about Tommy Boy. No, fuck you. We're going back. No, fuck you. We ain't there yet. 1990, he came out with The Last of the Finest, a.k.a. Blue Heat, about a group of five cops who end up finding this amazing amount of drug money and get caught up in a government conspiracy and all that. It's one of those early 90s straight-to-video action films that is just so damn good. Yeah. Is that The Last of the Finest? Yeah, The Last of the Finest. Okay. And plus it has something you rarely see in in an action film in the 80s, and that is... Anyone can die at any time. Okay. By the way, do you know who the director of this was? Who? John McKenzie. And what famous movie did John McKenzie direct that you love? What? Well, didn't we just go through Easter, and right before Easter, there's a certain day of the week that's very important and it's very good? Oh, the Long Good Friday. Yeah. Yeah, this is as rough as Long Good Friday if you haven't seen it, guys. This is a rough little movie, and I love it. And you're forgetting a lot of people love Presume Innocent, too. Yep. It has one of the stupidest twists ever in stupid twist history. And I'm going to ruin it. Harrison Ford was framed because someone put his semen in the woman. But he gets but off. But how did they get his semen? Yeah, his wife collects it in her IUD and then kills the woman and puts it in her. There's only one really great thing in Presumed Innocent, and that's Raul Julia. I loved him in this movie. Well, well Raul Julia was pretty much always the best 
thing in any um, movie yeah. and the fact that he was in the um, the two Adams Family movies, which have a hell of a cast. That thing. Oh yeah. Quite a bit, and not 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 to mention the fact that he was also in things like Kiss of the Spider Woman, Kiss of the Spider Woman, and you know it's just it's just a real real shame that the man died so young. Okay, so yeah, I got, I got to jump uh, in here. Hold on, guys, I got to go jump ahead. in because as much as you love Raul Julia, I bet you never met him. I bet you never were on first terms with his with his handler like I was. Because when I was working in the 80s, I was working at uh, 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 Latino Playwrights at Henry Street Settlement with Carla Pisa. And Carla was very close to Raul. And we actually did a, uh, um, she honored him one year, got to meet him. He'd come into the office. I got to meet him uh, several times. And such a wonderful man. Such a wonderful man. And, And you're absolutely right to miss him. But I'll tell you what, he's also in one of my favorite movies, and actually my, my roommate and I were talking about it today, and you hate it, uh, uh, Stephen, but uh, he's in a movie uh, called Tempest, directed by uh, Paul Mazursky. And he's wonderful in that movie. Raul. So anyway, okay, Raul. But now Julia. we can skip uh, over FX2 because we talked about it. It's good. Then he is in Gladiator, which is a Boston bare knuckle boxing film. It's not bad. And then we get to Tommy Boy. <laughs> Can we just say this movie sucks? And if the fans want to come at me, come at me. <laughs> well, I'm taking one for this one. Come at me, fans. Hit sucks. Your hero was a guy who wanted to be John Belushi, except he snorted like 14 tons of coke. And he died of a heart attack, just like John Belushi. Wee! Come at me. But John Belushi's final turd had more talent than Chris Farley did. Bingo. Thank you, my friend. (laughs) But we're not talking about Chris Farley. We're talking about the small role that Brian Dennehy has as his father. And there is and that wonderful, good. wonderful scene in the wedding where, yeah. where, where Brian Dennehy dances. And that two minutes of film is the only reason you should watch Tommy Boy, maybe the total seven minutes that he's in the movie. Well, the thing is, is I think that somebody actually, um, probably, if I know, if I know YouTube, has put they together have. just the Dennehy, the Dennehy scenes from um, from Tommy Boy, so you don't have to suffer through the rest of the shit trying to um, skip over it to get to, to him. But uh, yeah, I suggest just uh, looking that up and um, moving on. Okay. Okay, what do you guys think of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet? You know, I'm going to be honest and say that while I don't hate it, um, I actually um, think that um, it's got some interesting interesting stuff. But then he has the um, father, and I can't remember if he's Romeo's father or Juliet's father, but, um, you know... Once again, he he exudes the authority you need in that tiny role, 
and um, the film itself. Um, the best thing I can say about it is John Leguizamo is the best thing in the film. He plays Tybalt, and he's the single best Tybalt I've ever seen. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. He is the best thing in the movie, stage, I agree. The stage actors are wonderful in it, but you can tell the men from the... And this is turn. You can tell the actors from the movie actors in that movie. Oh, easily. John Leguizamo can take calling a gun a sword and make you believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that was actually one of the one of the changes that people bitched about. But if you're going to have a film that's that's taking that uh, um, story and updating it the way they did. It made sense. It made mm-hmm. sense to give the guns the names of the of the um, of the blades, and um, I thought that was actually cool. But the problem is that Bob Lorman is such a fucking hack that he gets in his own damn way with every cool idea he has. He piles ten layers of shit on top of it. And you're forgetting who else is great in Romeo and Juliet, and that's Pete Postlewaite. Oh well, well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete yeah, yeah. Postlewaite, uh, come on. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, <laughs> that's a given. And right that's now given. we're at huh movies because we got Out of the Cold, Silicon Towers, Dish Dog, Summer Catch, Stolen Summer, She Hate Me, The Assault on Precinct Thirteen remake, which isn't that bad. It's not that it's good not either. It's not that good either. <laughs> Well, let's be honest. Uh, what's his name uh, from the Matrix, from Deep Cover? Yeah. Um, He's good. Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne is great. Everybody else is just trying to catch up with him. Well, let's we'll also not forget zero, that, that, that his greatest role, his greatest role, uh, um, not notwithstanding... Um, the um, his, his his role as Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman for the for the decade of two thousand to two thousand nine uh, that 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 period was as the father of the rats the leader of the rats in Ratatouille. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ratapoopy, yeah. Oh, come <laughs> on. I love that movie. He is also in one of the worst films of the two thousands, Righteous Kill. Lieutenant Hingis. (laughs) Wait, two of the worst films of the 2000s. Night of the Cup. I'm not going to get the chance to say when someone's making a war movie, they're passable. When someone's making a true crime movie, they kick ass. But when they make a movie about sitting around picking boogers in Austin, Texas... (laughs) They are one of the worst <laughs> filmmakers ever. Fuck well, I, I, okay, I'm going to jump in here because I actually think <laughs> Night of Cups is not nearly the worst Terrence Malick film ever made. Uh, and well, I haven't seen I Night of Cups, so, what's you, so what do you think of this, Carl? Yeah. Well, okay, so have you seen this yet, Adam? I have not seen Night of Cups. I did see Song the Song, but I didn't see Night of Cups. 
I didn't like song to song. I'll be the first one to admit it. Uh, but this one, this one is a little. It, it, it doesn't hold together. You know, I think I think uh, Malik needs some sort of thread to go through, if not exactly a plot. But I'm going to tell you something. The 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 work that Bale does with Dennehy, because Dennehy plays his father, and they have several several good scenes together in this. You can just see how good uh, both of them can be, and and it's the the main reason to watch the movie are those two actors. Uh, everybody else in it, um, I tell you who else has a really good role in it is Wes Bentley, but but it's not top notch. Uh, um, it's not top notch Malik by any means, but it certainly. I, I like it better than To the Wonder in a heartbeat. Uh, uh, and I was able to get through it. And sometimes there's there's a Malick film I can't get through. Song well, there's a Malick film you need to see if you haven't, Carl, um, given your, uh, your, your what you like, and that is um, Hidden Life. Have you seen that? Oh, are you fucking kidding me? You couldn't keep me away from that movie. I saw that here in the city. Yeah, well, I'm going to say that Hidden Life, um, I'm just going to flat out say it, it's my favorite Malick. It's it's magnificent. It's magnificent. And it should have been up for awards. Oh, and and, how was it not up for cinematography at the very least? Seriously. Seriously. Scott Parasite is the first foreign film they ever deserved to win Best Picture. Well, well, I, I... I, I actually, as far as his war films, I think uh, the thin, thin red line is just amazing. Uh, but that's me, and uh, I think it's a lot yeah, better than taking private topic, line. Uh, Yeah, the, you can sum up Brian Dennehy in the '90s with just one role, and that would be okay. in the two-part miniseries *To Catch a Killer*. Good Lord, is he so freaking amazing in that! Is John Wayne Gacy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Well, you, um, but, about... but, uh, but uh, Carl, before I forget and we go back to um, and we go back to there, I just have to ask, do you know what Malik's next movie is? Uh, I, I know basically what it is. We'll talk later on that. Let's keep keep on uh, yeah. uh, 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 course here. Uh, okay, John Wayne Gacy. If you take a look at how Dennehy does this role, then you look at the other roles he's done throughout his career, and then you take a look at the the, the acting that he does on stage and the Tonys and all this work that he's done. You can you can he's nobody as as fucking creepy as as he is in this movie. Well, you know, he turns that megawatt smile from charm to terrifying. Yeah. In that scene where he's in the car close to the end when they arrest him, and he's just cracking up and yelling at, I don't know who in that car. There's no one with him. He's just yelling, they're persecuting me. They're trying to frame me for this. Yeah. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing amount of work, and... And, and we have lost one of the great, great.
great character actors. And and, and I got a uh, question for both of you. I'll go to Adam first. Um, if you take a look now, is there anyone that you see that can, I won't say replace, but sort of take up the mantle of of, of, of Brian Dennehy and the work that he's done as a character actor that's still around? Because honestly, I can't. Well, you, you know, there are some, there are lots of actors that are on his level um, in terms of acting. There are lots of actors that are on his level in terms of um, physicality. But in terms of someone of his age, um, who was that perfect combination of physicality and overall talent and skill, I, you know, right off the top of my head. Um, no. Um, now, now this is now this is just one person, and this 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 may just be the fact that I um, I finished up watching uh, the newest season uh, today. But um, Jonathan Banks, believe it or not, um, there's a guy who um, he's not as physically imposing, but man, is he awfully good in everything, and he and he's mm-hmm. and he's of an age. So um, you know, there there's a guy, but the thing is, is, is he's a totally different, different actor. It, it's it's almost unfair because Dennehy was such a unique presence. And, and what about you, Stephen? You got any idea on that at all? Yeah, I just want to quote the last line of that article that Stacy, that well of that post where Stacy Keats was talking about him. We have lost one of the greatest of the character actors, and no one will ever be able to take his place. Nope. No, I agree. I agree. Like I I said, there's others that could slot in um, in terms of one thing or another. There are lots of great ones, but, you know, the the truly great character actors, they're they're all so, so unique. And you know, there, there's dozens of these guys and gals around, but um, what makes them great is how unique and irreplaceable they are. And there's no doubt about it. Brian Dennehy was unique, irreplaceable, and we are going to miss him mm-hmm. terribly. But at the very least, we have the films. And I'll tell you what, there's lots of films we didn't go over, okay? Lots of them. There's lots of TV movies and series. Uh, and I'm going to say something. Oh, before we go, we got one other that we got to talk about, and we're going to kick this over to Stephen. Brian Dennehy was in one of your favorite series, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he played mm-hmm. the sheriff in the second season of Happen Leonard. So God, tell us a little bit about that. A little bit about Happen Leonard too. Happ and Leonard are two characters created by Joe God Lansdale. Let me say it so I can say it. Who are one, a Democratic uh, war protester who went to jail over not being in Vietnam War, and Leonard Pine, who is an angry gay black 
Republican who fought in the army. And their best friend. Yeah, and their best friend. Well, they're more like brothers. Yeah. Yep, and uh, it's a damn shame it only went three seasons. Yeah. But, you know, but the thing is, is let's not forget, you know, I mean, James Purifoy and Michael Kenneth Williams, um, that, that's, um, that, that, that's, that's a, that's a hell of a, um, of a combo right there. Yeah. And so tell us a little, little bit about his character in, in, in Happen Leonard and just, just give us a little teaser. Well, what happens is, is that Leonard's uh, grandfather dies and they find the child's body under his grandfather's por- in his grandfather's basement. So they have to figure out what the hell's going on. Is his grandfather a killer? While then he, as a chief of police, is trying to stop them. And it doesn't go where you would expect it to go. As always with Joe's, Joe's, uh, 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 writing, uh, and we're big fans of Joe Lansdale. He actually, uh, I, I have to make my huevos Lansdale one of these days. The recipe he gave me for, for eggs. It's a wonderful thing. And Adam, if you like the Happen Leonard series, you need to see Cold in July. I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to get around to it. And, you know, I keep meaning to finally, finally check out that, um, third season of Happen Leonard, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to get through it after I'm uh, done with my Fastbinder uh, viewings this week. Oh, so you're going to watch. Oh, speaking of, and now the show's over, it's time to get into prostitute mode. Adam just said it. What is going up on the Cast of the Old Grey Mission on Friday? On okay, Friday, Adam, tell us. On Friday, I will be joined by Aaron White and Howard Kastner with Carl himself as the producer this this week due to many technical issues on my end, a.k.a. my computer decided to fucking quit on me. <laughs> and um, we will be discussing the films with a special focus on the television work of the German director Rainer Werner Fassbinder, who in a career of just over 13 years did 44 movies. Yeah, ladies and gents, 44 films in about 13 years. And, oh, by the way, yeah, for those of you saying, oh, the guy must have been on coke, actually, yeah, he was. He was also a fucking (laughs) genius. And one of his best works is finally available in the U.S. for the first time. It's currently available on the Criterion channel. And I urge anyone with an interest in German cinema, in family dramas, in something a little different than what you're used to, anybody that likes kitchen sink type work, to check it out. Eight hours don't make a day. And to join us on Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our look at Fastbinder's work. And who are your guests, Adam? Well, once again, the guests are Aaron White, Howard Kastner, and, of course, you'll be there, but you'll only be there 
doing the produ- the producing because unless you want to chime in with something because I'm not sure how much you've seen of Fastbinder's work. Not not a lot. No, I'll, I'll probably just produce on that. Well, if, if, you, if you get a chance to, I, I, I have to say World on Wire might be just up your yeah, alley, I need to, I have it. I have that marked up, but I haven't been able to get to it yet. But if I get to it beforehand, then I can talk about it, which I will. But if I don't, then I won't. You know, it just happens that way. Um, so, so Stephen, we have some things going on, too, the, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I just wanted to say, I haven't seen much, but my favorite of what I've seen is, why does Herr R. run amok? amok? That's actually one of the ones I haven't seen of his work. Mm-hmm. Now, the one, but, um, but I want to save this for my show, but the one that I did see that's nearly impossible to see is Riedelweschel, or Wild Child, a.k.a. Jailbait, um, but that's, that's due to rights house. issues. Is that Fastbinder's Casper Hauser? No, that is. Um, that's uh, that's that's not. I don't believe so. Okay. But yeah, tomorrow tomorrow me and Carl will be busy. <sighs> but Thursday I yes. have an interview earlier in the day with Rebecca McHenry. Uh, podcaster, film actress, and right now she's probably psychically filming three films and doing three podcasts at once. That's how busy she is. She is going to be talking about her upcoming work. And at Thursday at 8 o'clock will be the culmination of me and Carl's Criterion Month, which will be the one and only... The Man Who Fell to Earth by Nicholas Rogue. This is going to be another long one, folks, so you will be entertained. Mm-hmm. And okay. after that, go over to the Cathedral Ray Mission and hear about Fastbinder. Because he was one of the good... If you like the Boogeyman, you need to listen to this show because... Fastbinder gave us Uli Lomel, and it gave us Uli Lomel's best film, in my opinion, and that's Tenderness of the Wolves. Absolutely. Not Agreed. an easy watch. Agreed. Don't you guys agree that Tenderness of the Wolves is not an easy watch? No. But not so even close. But so little of Fastbinder's work is. I mean, that's, right. that's another reason that I think uh, eight hours don't make a day is such a special work in his filmography because it's his least dark and yet it is just as cynical as anything else. Well, didn't he do The Marriage of Maria Braun? Yep, yep, he did, and uh, The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, Berlin Alexander Platt. But they've been so long, I I can't remember them. I know I've seen them. Veronica Voss. I mean, the man did 44 films, so chances are uh, you name a film he, t- he did. It. <laughs> that, that's good. And then well, on Sunday. Yet. But we will. Okay. But on Sunday, hopefully, we'll have uh, uh, the return of um, 
of Doc and 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 uh, the Sludge Pit. He's been working on that for a while, so hopefully that'll happen over at DLN. But again, I want to they'll stay dry. Okay, good, good. So again, I want to thank thank uh, Stephen for doing. And by the way, Stephen, again, I got to say this at the end that your your uh, production and what you did at the beginning and getting all the the clips and that down, really, really appreciative of all that you do, man. And I yeah, love I'll that. Yeah, I'll send it to you over uh, Messenger after the show so you can have it to put on your show because that is your opening. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And Adam, as always, it is more than a pleasure to have you on. Thank and, you. And, and, and that you've been uh, a real, real great addition to DLN, and, and I want to appreciate it. And also to all of our listeners, man, uh, I just really, really want to thank you for coming and listening to us and, and uh, having a little bit of cheese and beer at the, at the cavern. Cavern, cavern, cavern. Okay, sorry, echo, echo. Okay, never mind. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to say, uh, let's all say good night, people. Good night, people. Good night. People. Good night. Have a good, good one. <laughs>